All right, one more time. Well, I hope would you help me to say hello to those who are joining us on the other side of that camera. Come on, say hi for me. We're so glad you're joining us today. Before we jump into the new series called Stress Out, I think we all need a little stress break. How about you, right? We all need a little stress break. Before I jump into that, I do want to just give you, a, just echo the news a little bit and also remind you that if you would like to help or need help, we've set up a very simple way to let us know that you can help or that you're, you're in need of help, and that is to email help at onehopechurch.com. Help at onehopechurch.com. And so if you say, man, I, I weathered the storm pretty well, not a lot of devastation, I'm available to serve on some days. We we are sending teams out on Monday and Thursday mornings to serve our community and beyond. And so if you'd like to show up and literally put your hands to the plow or maybe a chainsaw, okay, everybody, that's available to you on Monday, Thursday, and then some Saturdays, depending on what's happening. Yesterday, we had an incredible team go out and just literally serve through our partner, uh, Thrive Community Development Center, right right here in St. Rock area. We sent a team out and literally handing out meals and resources and serving our community. That's available to you. But I do want to just say, one of the greatest tragedies of this storm could be that you've experienced some sort of loss and devastation, and you're trying to go through it by yourself. Part of being in a church family is that you're in a family, and we can only help if you'll let us know you need help, and it's okay if your house isn't okay, if your soul needs a little help, if you're going through a hardship. So just, just email help at onehopechurch.com and let us know, and we'll rally the team to the best of our ability to serve you, to love you, because we our family. Y'all know the song, right? I need to confess something before I go to the next part. I, I just finished a Red Bull backstage, okay? Do y'all not know what that, I mean, have you ever seen the slow Red, Red Bull? It gives you what? It gives you, it gives you wings, okay? Now, I believe it's the Holy Spirit, okay? But I just want you to know I've got the Holy Spirit and Red Bull right now, okay? And so if you're not prepared to laugh and to have a little hope and a little joy, you need to turn it up a notch, all right? Come on, look at your name and say, turn it up, all right? Or it's about to get turned up, how you want to say it, all right? Whatever choice you want. Second thing I need you to know, if you need help, help at onehopechurch.com. Second thing, it's been three weeks we've been trying to launch small groups, all right? And small groups are officially launched, all right? Today's the day. If you've been like, everybody's like, is small groups? No, no, small groups, they're going, all right? I had my workout group yesterday. It was amazing. We worked out together. We encouraged together. We were sweating hard, right? And listen, if you say, well, pastor, I, I don't know if I want to go to a workout small group. But listen, we have some eating small groups too, all right? And so there are options on both sides of the spectrum. Go to onehopechurch.com slash connect, and there's a directory, and you can eat your way to Jesus. <laughs> That's funnier than y'all laughed at. Or you can come work out with me on Saturdays, okay? Like, there, there are some 50 options available for you from book studies to girls groups to guys groups to whatever's available. Listen, I just want to encourage you, don't do life alone. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, that's three people over here. The rest of y'all praying for you, okay? All right, here, here we go. Here we go. Today, part one of a simple series we're calling Stress Out because I don't even need to give you a because. You just watch the news for two minutes. Just think of 2020. Okay, got it. 2021. God, I don't even need to tell you what there is. It's just, it's around us. We're living in it. And I believe more than ever, we need to just go to God's word. And now, I find this very, very interesting that we just survived a tremendous storm. And that when you go to the Bible, there's only one hurricane story in all of the Bible. 
And today I'm taking you to Acts chapter 27, verse 13. We're going to read the hurricane story. I'm going to show you how God will show up in the middle of the tragedy and the challenge. And I believe that he will minister to you through it. But I need to warn you, for some of you who used to like short verses, we got 23 in a row. Get ready, get ready. We're going to read the Bible, okay? Acts chapter 27, follow along on screen. Or if you're at home, you can download the notes. It says, when... When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, and so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shores of South Louisiana. And before very long, a wind of hurricane force called Hurricane Ida, everyone, swept down the island coast. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind any longer, so they gave way to it. And we're driven along. It's important to notice they gave way to the storm and it began to drive them. As we passed the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the life, to, to keep the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes literally under the ship itself to hold it together. How many of y'all know this is a crazy storm when you got to add some ropes to the boat to hold it all together? Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. They were just hoping that the anchor would grab something and would bring some stability to the storm. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, they even threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. I think it's kind of interesting that he said it didn't just fall over. They threw the compass off the boat. They said, it doesn't matter. We're not going to make it. We don't know where we're going. We can't see anything. That they literally said, you know, I'm going to throw everything we've got for navigation and get it out of here too. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, We finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail this boat to Crete. Which I find interesting that the apostle Paul would stop in the middle of a raging hurricane and say, I told you so, all right? Like, this is one of the original I told you so's in scripture. Paul's like, I said, if we we went on this trip, it was all gonna go south, and here we are, it's gone south. He said, listen, you wouldn't have, you would have been spared yourselves this damage and loss, but now, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Do y'all love Paul's encouragement here? Hey, you're going to live, but the boat's going to die, okay? That's what's happening right now. This is where they are. Last night, Paul said, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, come on, did you read it? Next few words. Do not be afraid, Paul. Come on, One Hope Church. Do not be afraid. He said, you must stand trial before Caesar. I, I, I find so much amusement in here. You're not going to die at sea. You're going to have to probably die by the hands of Caesar, Paul. Y'all don't see the humor there, but I do. Thanks, thanks, angel. Got it. It's going to be rough. He said, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Just need you to know that it's going to get worse before it gets better. On the 14th night, we were still 
being driven across the Adriatic Sea. Could you imagine a hurricane lasting so long? When about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land, they took soundings and and found that the water was 120 feet deep. And a short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. But then Paul said to the centurion, his guard, who was keeping him to go to Caesar, he said, unless, unless these men stay with the ship, they cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just see the level of tension just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat something. He says, for the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense. It's the title of the message today, Constant Suspense. He says, you've been in constant suspense and have, have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything, and now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive, one hope. Not one of you, I love this, he goes back, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Not one of you will, will go through this after this, he said. And he took some bread, and he gave thanks to God in front of all of them. And then he broke it, he began to eat, and they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we take just a moment here as we have read your word, God, to say that our hearts are open, our minds are ready to receive what you would like to say to us. God, I also pray that you would help me to get out of the way and that, God, you would use me as a voice to speak life and to speak hope. God, I pray that this story would minister to us today and that we would have faith in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name we pray. We all said Amen. I don't know how it's gone for you, but I've got an idea, as I said earlier, of how it's gone. We've all been living in a level of constant suspense. And if I had sat with you personally, I would probably say, well, how has it gone? And, and, and you probably will say, well, you know, we, we had 2020. That's probably where you would start in your mind of like, well, well, 2020 happened. Y'all remember that? You probably wouldn't even talk about 18 or 19 or even further things in the back. You just say, that's, anybody remember COVID-19? We would start there and, and then we would come into the beginning of this year where we were so hopeful, like a, a new president, a new vaccination. We've got, we've just got hope. We're just throwing it around like crazy. It's exciting. And then, and then this other variant showed up and this other variant. And then they tell us that there had been 120 variants. Y'all with me? If we started going down the list, you would, you would find all of these things that, that if, you, if you aren't anchored to truth, all of a sudden your eyes just get bigger. Did you say 120 variants? Yeah, that's what I said. That your eyes would just find yourself caught in constant suspense. And then maybe you or your family, like my family, was faced with the actual sickness and had to go through the quarantine. Don't raise your hands. We've all been there, right? Some sick, some hurting, some fearing how it's going to affect our lives. You quarantine. And for me, in the middle of the quarantine, my, my grandmother passed away. Add that to the joy. Barely get through the burial services. Man, she was a woman of God. She was, she was just, she was ready to go with God. Just because my parents are in the room, I'll, I'll be honest and say she loved God, but she wasn't perfect. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's like none of us are. But on her deathbed, she was ready to meet Jesus. And I honor her for that faith. 
barely get through that and they start announcing a hurricane's coming. Boy, I'm excited about that. How about you? We had a big work project for the church that we were, had going. It was creating some tension, some excitement, some things that we've been planning for a long, long time. And, and then we announced a storm in the middle of this. I'm like, oh, joy. Let's, let's send the family away and let's hunker down in the middle of this. And, and then how many of y'all been living with a chainsaw in your life? And you never knew what a chainsaw was before that or never used a chainsaw. I developed tendonitis right here from a chainsaw. Y'all hear my whine right now. This is how it goes, right? The, the things just stack up and it's this thing and it's that thing and you tried to do good but then you pulled the muscle and then where am I going to get gas? Anybody been on gas patrol? Do y'all remember when gas was gold just a few weeks ago? I mean, we literally had someone smuggling 100 gallons of gas, God-fearing men and women of God bringing in hundreds of gallons of gas armed to the T. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I mean, is that good? I don't know. I just got gas from them. That's what I'm saying. It's an interesting time. All these things stack up and they leave us in the state of you can feel it. Let me define it for you. Suspense. It's a state or condition of mental uncertainty. Awaiting a decision or outcome usually accompanied by a degree of apprehension and anxiety. I don't even need to get you to raise your hands. We've been in it. The word constant simply means something that doesn't go away. It denotes a mental direction. Paul said it's been 14 days. One hope it's been 21 or so. And we've been stuck in this suspense of is it going to get worse Is it going to come back? How is this going to go? And the the level of suffering that is coming with this is causing us to ask all sorts of questions. Today, I want to help you to understand just a little bit where this suspense comes from. Take some notes. I want to give you three things. There there are many things. I just listed about 17 that could create a little bit of suspense and anxiety. But I want to give you three. The first one I've already said, but take some notes. The first is storms. These are literal storms and figurative storms. They certainly can cause a level of anxiety that that forces all of our attention to look to that particular place. And as our lives become more complex, as you start adding kids and spouses and school and jobs, the complexity makes us all more susceptible to the storm. I remember what it was like when I finally moved out of my parents' house and I, I had to buy my own Cheerios. Anybody remember the first time you had to, I didn't even know Cheerios were that expensive, right? And, and, and so you're trying to, trying to figure out, and I was like, man, it just feels like this is overwhelming. I had to buy my own groceries. I had to buy spoons. <laughs> Y'all don't remember this? But then you learn how to deal with that level of storm in your life and then Cheerios aren't a big deal and then you decide you've been praying for God to send you a spouse and you get married and then, oh my gosh, I never knew a wife could be so expensive, y'all. Come on, fellas, don't be so quiet in this room. Makeup costs that much? And then I didn't even, that's right, Christian, amen, right? I didn't even know she was going to eat that much. 
Listen, there are literal storms, there are figurative storms, and the more complex our lives become, the more susceptible we are to storms. That's a reality. Storms aren't going anywhere. This world is rife with suffering. I wish I could be more encouraging. Hey, pastor, could could you be more encouraging? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. The world is full of suffering. And that's why your hope can't be in suffering. Amen, everybody? Your hope has to be in the one who gets you through the suffering. That's, listen, storms aren't going anywhere. I wish I could, I could make you feel better. But listen, it's one of two choices in the middle of a storm. And that is to be overcome by the storm or to overcome the storm. To give in to the victimization that shows up in the pain or to decide I'm not going to live that way and I'm going to be responsible for myself and I'm going to walk myself out of this storm. By the grace of God, we'll do it together. Storms are real. You don't need much help there. But let me give you two other reasons that I believe that we're caught in constant suspense. And that is social media is the second. I, 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 listen, there's this, this constant, it's even designed to, to what they call, you get caught in doom scrolling. Anybody know what this, you, you, you can't take your eyes off. It's trying to keep your attention so that you'll just scroll to the next video, the next problem, the next thing. Social media is putting before our eyes the problems of 7.6 billion people. And I don't know if you and I were designed to deal with the person who was harmed on another continent or a person who was kidnapped in three states over. I don't know if we have the, the capability to bear that in our souls daily. So what happens is we just get caught in the suspense and then, then we're overwhelmed and we, we digress into doom scrolling our way through it. I mentioned to you earlier in worship how I, I called my wife or I sent her a message at 8 p.m. on August 29th to say, listen, regardless of what you'd hear or don't hear tomorrow morning, I am alive, right? I, I told her that. I want you to know that when the sun came up, I walked out of my house and unfortunately AT&T was not working. Come on now. What's up with that AT&T? But Verizon next door was great. <laughs> Frustrating. Went over to my neighbor. He's like making calls and walking around and pacing. I'm like, I'm like, Labib, what's going on? He's like, I've got service. I don't. Let me call my wife and tell her I'm alive. Called her at 6 a.m. in the morning. Ringing, ringing, ringing. Uh, hello? Are you sleeping? Yeah. Hey, I'm alive. Okay. See you later. God's honest truth. Later, she told me, you said you were going to be alive. And then she said, you know, I was, it was two in the morning. And what was I doing? Watching the news and doom scrolling and seeing the pictures. I could hardly sleep. And when I finally fell asleep, that's when you called. And I said, well, really stinks for you. Because if you stayed up 10 more minutes, you could have been awake for that call. Storms are present. Our current media world is designed to elevate tragedy after tragedy after tragedy so that you will like and you will watch and you will stay and you will be stuck and then they can sell commercial after commercial after commercial. And listen, I'm not against, I'm not against some of those things, but the problem with it is that we're, we're living with a level of stress that we can't deal with. You weren't designed to live with all of that. And what forces us to do is to be 
setting our eyes on social media, but then physically isolating is the third reason we find ourselves in constant suspense is that we begin to isolate ourselves because we see so much pain. We're like, oh, I don't want that. And I don't want that. And I don't want to be in this situation. And I don't want to go because hurt people, you know what they do? They, they hurt people. And so we isolate ourselves. But here's what I need you to know that the same people that hurt, that's true. Finding healthy people is how you get out of the hurt. And so if you just isolate, then you're going you're going to keep yourself stuck in suspense. And what you need is somebody walking next door going, hey, it's just stuff. How many of y'all lost some shingles this week? Come on, show me a hand. Come on. It's just a shingle. Come on now. I know some of us lost lives and I know the tragedy is around us. It's real. I'm not lessening those things, but we've got to, to open our hearts to the people because God's people is where we find healing. The constant suspense needs to be broken out of our lives so that we can move into the people to being the people that God has called us to be. Listen to what John chapter 16 and verse 33 says. Jesus, it's one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Not, okay? Like, he says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Would you read the next line? In the world you have peace. Let's, let's, let's say it one more time and act like you're the preacher. In the world, you have tribulation. tribulation. What is that? That's suffering. That's pain. And then he just says, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Take courage. You're going to make it through the storm. Take courage. It's going to take more than Hurricane Ida to take you out. Amen, everybody? It's going to take more than debt to take you out. It's going to take more than an accident to take you out. It's going to take more than your past abuse to take you out. God, God, if you're willing, he will take you out of the suffering and you will overcome. Now, I did confess to you guys that I, that I drank a Red Bull. Are y'all ready for this? Okay? Because I'm passionate. I'm passionate about helping you to become an overcomer. I'm passionate about refusing to argue about rights and, and degrading ourselves into this, oh, I'm a victim and what happened to me. I'm all about let's take personal responsibility and get our behinds up out of the storm, everybody. I'm all about recognizing that you can be overcome by the storm or you can overcome the storm. You may say, well, pastor, that, that's really good on a stage. It sounds good, but did you know? And I do know. Yes. I've got my list too. I literally said to my wife two days ago, I said, I'm going to have to set some time aside in the next few weeks to really, to really mourn my grandmother because I don't think I have. I, I, I understand it's there, but I want you to know you don't have to be overcome. You can actually make some choices to get through it. Everyone's like, I just, I just want, a, I want a little normalcy in my life. Well, there is no such thing. How about you find a healthy routine in a crazy world? How about you have the fortitude to overcome the trouble that Jesus said is in this world? How about you take courage and say, I'm not expecting it to get easy because easy is empty. I'm expecting it to be hard. And while it's hard, I will overcome it in Jesus' name. Listen, you're looking for meaning and fulfillment? Listen, ice cream shows up in easy, okay? Meaning and fulfillment comes when you do something hard. And something hard demands the best of you. It demands that you rise up and say, I'm going to work through this no matter what. And I'm just calling it out in you. You're made in the image of God. You can overcome this. You can overcome the laundry list of insecurities, the past and the pain. 
How do we do it? I'm glad you asked. 23 verses, Acts chapter 27. There are six things that they did in the boat. I would say six things that the apostle Paul encouraged them to do. That somehow after 14 days of rocking to and fro, Paul's like, hey, saw an angel, got some things we ought to do. Y'all need to eat a little bit. We need to work on the ropes and the anchors. Paul, he's one of 276 people that, that God spared because of Paul. Think about it. Think about his life and who he is and how God showed up for him and Think about the direction that he received in that boat. And today what I want to do is I want to show you both practically what they did, but I want them to be a picture to you of how you can live. Take some notes with me. The first thing they did, number one, is they strengthened their ship with ropes. But all throughout scripture, ropes have been a picture of truth in our lives. What is the first thing they did? They said, well, the boat's not going to be strong enough to make it through this storm. So we're going to, we're going to pass some ropes around and we're going to tie the ship together to make it through the storm. Here's what we do in South Louisiana. Anybody got a little plywood around their houses right now, right? I was two stories up screwing plywood over some windows. I was like, this is going to be a bad one. And these windows, these can't break, right? right? These are the ones, these, everything else. I'm not worried about that window. I'm not worried about that. These two windows, y'all. Did anybody else do this? I went to Home Depot like the day before and I saw a friend of mine who, who lives in Metairie and when I say they were buying plywood, they were buying enough plywood to build a house. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? He said, our whole house is windows. I said, I'm sorry. Mine's not. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I thought that, okay? I thought that. Deuteronomy 11 and 18, listen to what, what the scripture says. It says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them, what? Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Listen, our world is rocking to and fro and truth is what is going to help us. I know everyone is talking about their truth and my truth and this truth and that truth. Listen, I want you to know there's only one truth. We need an objective truth because if truth is subjective, then it can be anything. And today you need an objective truth to hold your boat together. You need an objective truth that tells you what John 14 says that Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you that I'm, I'm going to prepare a mansion. I've got many rooms in my father's house. And what is he saying to us? He's saying, you got to tie some truth that this life isn't all about this life. And there's a life after this life and how you live now makes a difference in how you live forever. And you've got to tie yourself to that truth. I love y'all too. Thank you. <laughs> Number two, you've got to stay anchored to hope. Two times in the story, they dropped the anchors to try and steady themselves in the middle of the storm. The second time, they dropped four anchors off the bow of the boat, hoping that something would grab to build stability. Scripture describes the anchor of our souls. Hebrews chapter 6 and 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm 
and secure. You and I, hope is the anchor of our lives. We cannot allow ourselves to digress into hopelessness. There is hope in our future. Amen, everybody? Come on, you need to agree right there. You have a hope and a future in God. Don't let yourself digress into hopelessness because the suffering isn't going anywhere. So you can suffer without hope or you can suffer with hope. And I choose hope. I love to say it's one of the values of our church. It's why we named our church. We say that our value is to infuse hope, to give hope, to speak hope, to live hope. Why? Because we are one hope. We have our one hope in Jesus Christ to remind ourselves that there is an anchor in every storm. And if you feel like you've been tossed to and fro, it's time to drop anchor, everybody. It's time to say, no, no, God, you said... And I believe, as Romans 4 says, that Abraham tied himself hope against hope. It said that he set himself, that God's promise was true, that he would hope against hope. I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope you're kind of letting this feed your soul a little bit because I'm ready to break the suspense and I'm ready to help you to be an overcomer in this season. The third thing that they did is they started throwing stuff overboard. Have you noticed that when a storm shows up, that there are only certain things that you actually throw in a bag to take with you? So number three, you got to stop some of the non-essentials. Paul said, we don't need this. We don't need that. By the way, by the way, that, 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 that little boat over there that you think you're going to save yourself with too, that's not going to save you either. You're only going to make it if you trust God and stay in the boat. Have you discovered that maybe there are a few things that really aren't that important that used to be very, very important to you? See, if I told you today that you had 30 days to live, it's amazing. It's amazing what things you would stop doing. It's amazing what things you would start doing. So why not start now? It's a harsh reality, but you and I are born dying. No one knows the exact time except our Lord, Savior. And, and even that, we're kind of wondering. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes, there's a point in time to live and a point in time to die. You and I are heading toward, we're, we're in this simple window where life is a test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. And when we get through the window, God is going to take us into eternity based upon how we did in the test, the trust, and the temporary assignment. So why not let go of some of the things that are keeping you from God? Why not? Pour yourself into the essentials. Ecclesiastes 4 and 6 says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What did you take with you when you left for the storm? Do you remember? My, my family, they always like to grab some of the old albums. I, they wanted, my, my wife always like, well, you know, if we're going to leave, I'd love to, to get our original, like our wedding album. Come on, ladies, where you at? Right? Y'all, remember, y'all remember how much we paid for those pictures? that you've only looked at like seven times. We need to, it's like, we need to remember how good looking we were when we got married. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. It's all downhill after that, right? Amen. <laughs> he says, better one handful than two. Find yourself focused on the essential things during this season and some of the suspense will be breaking up. Why don't you take a a 30-day fast from social media? How will it change your life if you would stop doom scrolling? 
Focus your attention. Here, here's the challenge. Can I give it to you? For the next 30 days, read the Bible and don't look at social media. Next 30 days, read one proverb. Go to the book of Proverbs, read one proverb a day and don't read anything on social media. Some of y'all, your eyes started to twitch when I said that. Some of you, like you're, you're all of a sudden got this like, uh, like you're, you're jonesing already because what are you gonna do without social media? Listen, you'll be fine. John chapter 15, listen to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What is, what is Jesus saying? Things you don't need, you need to cut out of your life. Things that bring you more suspense and more pain, it's time to let go of those things. Things that bring you hope and a future, focus your attention there because God wants to prune you so that you'll grow. Life's not getting easier. You're going to get stronger if you'll trust God. Life's not going to be easy. I'm not promising you that. But if you'll trust God, you'll overcome because you'll get stronger. And when Cheerios used to be a lot to afford, you'll say, no, that's no big deal. God's got that. Why? Because you got stronger. I've got just a few more. Can y'all stay with me? Number four, in the midst of storms, you got to seek God's voice. I know many of us are really good at what I call the Hail Mary prayer. It's the end of the game. You feel like you're about to die and you say, oh God, oh God, if you would only help me to pass this test. Or oh, oh God, if you would only, and you fill in the blank. Can I just tell you that regardless of your level of storm, it's always better to ask God to be involved. So why not make it a practice? The apostle Paul, at least two times in the story, said that he stopped and he prayed and he gave thanks to God. He was giving thanks to God in the middle of a hurricane. In a boat that had ropes tied around it to keep it together. Where the people had thrown over everything that was non-essential. And Paul's like, hey, yo, let's stop and eat something. He wasn't caught in the same level of suspense they were. Isaiah 30 and 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. If you open your heart, God will speak to you. God will lead you. A couple of days after the storm had passed, we were still without power and started to consider how we might get a message out to you to let you know, hey, church isn't happening in person, but we still believe in a God and we're rallying the church to be the church and to serve people. And it's Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening, Wednesday night. And and at this point, I'm living on a generator. Y'all remember this? Anybody here had a generator running the refrigerator and a little window unit, if you could be so blessed. I had moved a twin mattress because my wife and kids were safe, evacuated. I'd moved a twin mattress into the room right off the kitchen, a little dining room, and I'd put some big blankets up to make, I was living in a 12 by 12. Had a generator running in the back, keeping the refrigerator running, had a little, little window unit trying to keep me from sweating that night, praise God. Wednesday night, it was late. Started wrestling with, hey, I've got I've to figure out a way to record a message. We don't have power. We don't have Wi-Fi. Can I tell y'all, it's not easy to preach without air conditioning. <laughs> have you ever seen a guy sweat in HD? So I talked to our team and I said, listen, I'm, I'm not going to travel somewhere else and try and video record a message in Mississippi or somewhere else. I'm not going to spend a whole day. I'm going to keep serving people. And I'm going to set up the iPhone in my dining room. 
Some of y'all watch the message. A little low tech. But I got myself by the window so I have some good light so y'all can see how good looking I am. But can I tell y'all, it was hot. And so I said, man, I've got to wake up early and I'm gonna have to do this message like before the, the you know, gets real hot. And, and one of our team, Jess, she's, she's in our production team and pictures and she just, she, she came over with some of the others to kind of check on me. And I, I was like, this is what we're trying to do. And she said, oh, it's gonna be hot. Well, maybe you just put some ice packs on the floor and you just stand barefoot. Nobody will see your feet. And you wear shorts. So y'all, two weeks, three weeks ago, I was preaching in my dining room with an, with an iPhone to nobody in the room saying, we're in this together. God's on our side. Go love and serve your neighbor. Y'all remember this? Hey, we're in this together. God's on our side. Go love and serve the person in front of you. And I was sitting there looking at that camera saying, just try not to sweat too bad, having a foot on a little ice pack on the ground, right? Trying to get a message to you. And I want you to know that I woke up three, four times the night before saying, God, would you just give me something to say? Why am I telling you the story? Yeah, it's nice to smile. It's nice to laugh. But I'm telling you that in the middle of it, at four in the morning when the generator stopped working, God will speak to you. He'll speak to you. He'll calm the storm and he'll give you what to say. Number five, I already said it. Paul did it. You got to serve and save others. Because sometimes when the storm's raging in you, the best thing you can do is go serve and save others. Paul said, if you get out of the boat, you're not going to make it. Hey, church, I want you to know, if you leave Jesus during this time, it's not going to be good for you. If you look at the suffering and say, I can't believe God would allow this, you're missing the point. Let it draw you closer to God rather than push you away from God. But when you start serving and saving others, that's when you begin to say, oh God, you're going to obligate yourself now to help serve and save me, God, because I serve someone else. Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, to the weak I have become weak, to win the weak I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some people. The next morning, probably did what you did. Walked down the street and I started clearing the drains, right? Because they said the rain was going to come and we didn't want to cause more flooding. And I'm walking down my street with a rake and just pulling junk into people's yards. House after house after house. Why? Is it about me? No. It's about serving and saving others. Caused me to meet an older gentleman down our street whose entire roof was blown away. Let rain in his house all night. He was just looking for a generator and some gas. Well, I told y'all, I know some smugglers, right? And so I said, hey, meet me here. Don't tell anybody else, all right? And when you come, keep it there. You back in. We got a little gas station back here. And and listen, I, I gave a man who's on his own right now, in his 60s, we gave him some gas. And to watch God work in his heart and his life, not because of me, not because of you, but because this is how God works. When we're in hardship, God shows up and and a 63-year-old man weeping and saying, hey, thanks for praying for me. Thanks for providing for me. Listen, we become friends. This is what happens. When you're all in the boat together saying, we're going to make it. Here's the last, number six, and we close. I also need you to slow down for sustenance. The pace is real crazy right now. And I told our teams, listen, the first two and a half weeks, it's been triage. We became a, an entire, our entire staff became a relief team. 
I can't tell you how many families we post-evacuated, elderly parents, elderly family that we put in hotels in, 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 in Alabama and Texas and Florida. We sent people everywhere we could send them. Why? Because they didn't have power and they didn't have a way to survive on their own. So what, what do we do as a church family? We rallied around them. But after two and a half weeks of that, can I tell you, you got to slow down and eat. you got to slow down because this, it's in a sprint, y'all. It's a marathon. But I also want you to know that when you slow down, that's when you sense Jesus. Listen to these words, Matthew chapter 11, and we close. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll break the suspense. You'll, you'll, you'll sleep. Why? Because your eyes are on him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, I can't promise you an easy life. Easier is emptier, though. I can promise you that if you'll come to Jesus, you'll make it through. You'll overcome the storm. At home and in the room, would you bow with me for prayer? With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if after listening to this message, you, you know you've been stuck in suspense. And in the suspense, you've lost your closeness with God. The Bible says you're one prayer away from drawing near to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand or come to the front. But if today you need to invite Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, would you whisper this prayer? We'll say these words right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.